In this episode of the Business Owners Blueprint, I brought Brad Nix on again, and we continued our conversation about branding and marketing, but this time we focused our efforts and our discussion around what business owners could do during this time of COVID and how they can reinvent themselves moving forward. So enjoy the conversation. Hope everyone is safe. The opinions expressed on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments or solutions may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS and Kestra AS are not affiliated with any entity herein. Welcome to the Business Owner's Blueprint Podcast, where money is serious business, but not a soporific echo chamber like the rest. This is a show for business owners who want to build wealth and make wise financial decisions starting now. So put away your money show preconceptions and prepare to propel your knowledge and take some action. Here's your host. Peter Huminski. So we're in this crazy environment I, and we're all kind of learning on the fly as we go here on how to reinvent ourselves almost. Um, and it seems to be changing daily. And, you know, you have everything has gone to an online strategy almost it feels like and it's fast forwarded some trends like telemedicine and teleconferencing and and slowed other trends that were going on like urbanization and things like that so how do we look at this as a business and what could a business owner look at doing here immediately because time is of the essence to a degree because if if you're not nimble and quick in making adjustments in this time frame you're probably not going to survive that's a fairly accurate statement and i think that one of the things we're going to begin seeing is the great american fallout and it's going to hit particularly hard among smaller businesses and companies that don't have deep cash reserves or companies that have product or service offerings where the delivery system is going to change. As you had said earlier, things such as people conversing by Zoom or how people are actually buying things. You can only imagine what's going to happen, for example, to the meeting and convention business. Okay, um, You can pretty much assume that that's going to evaporate at least for the next two to three years. So anyone that is in that business where they're reliant upon group meetings or conventions or gatherings is going to have to completely rethink their business model. So what do we do? Well, here's what we do. The first thing we want to make certain that we're clear on is what is our central value proposition. And as I had said in the previous podcast, every brand centers on a single point of differentiation. And most of the hard work that we do when we're doing a brand identity project is trying to redact down to what is that central value proposition. And it's not the litany of features and benefits, and it's not all the great things you do as a business owner. Those are extensions of this core idea. 
once that idea is understood, then you want to make certain that it's still relevant to your customers and it's still relevant to your prospects. Once that's understood and that's clear, then you want to take a look at how your central value proposition is being delivered. And this is where the situation we're in can actually become an opportunity. And what we do with our clients is we will undertake literally a, a journey mapping exercise where we will go through every single point of touch that you have with your customers all the way on the outside from when they first come into your acquaintance. Okay. What is it like when, when a, when a prospect comes across a, an advertisement or a prospect hears about you through a recommendation or they happen upon your website or they meet you in person? What does that look like? And then we map each and every step of that customer experience. And believe it or not, when you start breaking it down, there are quite a few distinct and finite steps. And we begin to map that. And, and that happens on a couple different levels. There are marketing steps that take place. There are individual steps that take place. There are sales steps. If you're a retail establishment, there are store experiences. If you're an online enterprise, there's online engagement. So it's worth the time and effort to go through the exercise of journey mapping. And that's what we call it. It's a customer journey map. And it starts with pre-engagement. It starts with when they come into an encounter with you. And then it comes right through to when they actually have an engagement with you or if it's purchasing something or, or hiring you all the way through until they become a loyal customer. And once you map it, then you can see where the fault lines are and then you can line it up against how things are changing and understand where you have to pivot, where you might be able to add value, where you hadn't in the past. And let me give you a really relevant example that's happening to me in real time. Because I'm a consultant and because what I do at the front end really requires me to be in front of my clients, I do an extraordinary amount of traveling. In the past three years alone, I probably put in half a million miles going everywhere to be with my clients. Well, the past two months have taught me something very important, that all of that travel that I thought was essential to the success of my business isn't. About 30% of it's key and 70% it was thinking that I had to be in front of my clients in order to be effective. And that was brought upon me because I wasn't able to travel. So in the past six weeks, eight weeks, I've been doing a lot of business over teleconferencing and getting a lot accomplished because we're all staying home and because we're all forced to communicate in this fashion, I've learned that I can be equally effective. So my business is going to change even once this pandemic recedes. I've learned that I don't have to travel constantly all over God's green acre in order to be effective. So that was a pretty interesting insight for me. And that frees me up to either spend more time with existing clients, do more business development, whatever I choose. So I'm rethinking my model. I promise you every single business is going to go through a change. And now would be the time for you to take that effort. And if it's something you could do on your own, do it. If it's something you need some help with, obviously that's something we can help with. It's funny you say that. I've, I've come to realize that most meetings that we've had that we would schedule out an hour for, we've been able to do in 15 or 20 minutes through Zoom calls now or Very teleconferencing. I, yeah. I've, I, and I kind of jokingly said I've become the master of the 20-minute meeting. 
Um, and we're getting as much accomplished in what we would do in an hour, but we're now doing it in 20 minutes. And I, and it has kind of shown me how much extraneous extra fluff we were throwing into meeting time, you know, which is fine. And sometimes you need to spend a little time, you know, talking about the grandkids and the weather and what's going on in the world. But if you truly value clients time and you truly value your own time, you can really um, fine tune and focus your meetings much more tightly. Um, yes. And we're getting, I don't know if it's necessarily we're be, being able to become more efficient, but we're, I think we're getting more accomplished. Well, I'll tell you um, again, it, it goes down to, do you let the winds of change blow you over or do you find the, the way to, to, to let that wind give you lift? And that's really what, what we are able to do right now. And, and it's funny because it really takes place at the brand level. If you believe what I had said earlier, that a brand is, is nothing more than the connective tissue between your reason for being and your customer's reason for caring, then that's where you want to in, intersect. So use this time effectively and, uh, and, and map that experience and find areas where you can add value where perhaps you weren't able to before. You know, I, another great example is, um, you know, what's going to happen to restaurants? What's going to happen to grocery stores? What's going to happen to places where we go out and get, get things. Okay. How much of that now is going to transfer to online purchasing and having things delivered? I'm, I suspect a great deal of it. So what can we do there? That's not a price driven initiative that allows us to add value and create loyalty. That's what you want to be thinking about. So much of this is going to move to, to technology. So where can we add value? That's, that's really where we're, uh, we're staying very busy. We have a, I'll give you one more example. I'm um, working with a mid-sized uh, credit union here in central Florida, and we're totally rethinking the mem member experience because we know full well that when this is over, most of these members are probably not going to come back to conventional banking where they go in on a Saturday morning and do their deposits. It's all shifting online. And so what kind of services can we offer through mobile applications and website experiences that are going to help our customers or their customers in this case have a more fulfilling experience. And we're really literally getting into helping them extend their budgets, how to prioritize their spending because a huge amount of people are going to come out of this pandemic either in debt or really short on their savings. Okay. So what can a bank do to step into that breach and help them? And we're rethinking that whole experience, taking on the role of financial advisement, if you will. It's a very true statement. It's a weird time. I think the banking example is interesting because banks have been trying to figure out how to do the online experience essentially since I started my career um, 20, 20 or so years ago. Um, and none of them have figured out how to do it right. Um, and I'm not sure how much of it is just banks are generally old and stodgy uh, or how much of it is they get so focused on their own proprietary technology, which may or may not be the best delivery solutions. Um, but it comes, it's a, it's, it comes back down to 
the customer experience that I talked about earlier. And, and, and this is what I mean by that. Banks make their money when they write loans. Okay. That is the nature of the banking business, right? They, they, they hold your money as a service, but what they want to do is they want to write loans. Okay. So writing loans is, is what they're about as a, as a, as a byproduct of that, they are transactional in nature. Okay. So they look at every customer as a potential loan. And what we're doing is we're telling our, our banking customers to not look at them as a potential loan, especially for the next three to five years, because they're not going to be, most of them aren't going to be credit worthy. So start looking at them as customers for life and what services can we offer? They're going to help them get back on their feet and move forward. When we think of it that way, it changes the, 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 the mentality of the people inside of the bank. And, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Um, people are now struggling for SBA loans are coming in and everybody's trying to grab these loans. Okay. Well, these are underwritten by the federal government. So a lot of that is happening pro forma, but that behavior has always been the case. Okay. People are always coming to banks for small business loans. What we're doing with this credit union is we're sitting down with these individuals and instead of just filling out an application and credit scoring them and rejecting them or accepting them based upon their credit score. If someone is not ready for a, a loan, we're not going to just send them a dear John letter. We're going to sit down and we're going to show them three or four or five things that they need to focus on in order to get that loan. And let me tell you what's happening as a result of this. And I'll give you the demonstrable effect on the other side of the equation. Let's pretend for a second that I am a small business owner. All right. I have a um, plumbing business, okay, and I decided I want to move from Orange County into Seminole County, and I want to take out a loan so I can buy three more trucks and I can hire two more people. So I apply for the loan, and I'm not there yet. So instead, I get this Dear John letter. Well, I go home on a Friday afternoon, and I talk to my wife, and I said, you know what? I just heard back from the bank. I was not approved for this loan. I'm not getting those trucks, and I feel like feel terrible and not, you know what else? I don't feel like going out to dinner tonight. And you know, that vacation we were planning, I don't know if I want to do that either, right? You've just crushed that guy. Now we bring that person in and we show them in the three or four or five things that they can do to qualify. Here's the, here's what happens. He comes home to his wife and he says, honey, come here a second, sit down. I want to show you something. Look, we didn't make the cut, but here are three or four things we can focus on and we can get where we want to be. So my dream is still alive. You know what's happening? 45 days, 60 days, 120 days later, they're coming back in to the credit union and they're getting those loans. We now have a customer for life, all right? Funny enough, internally, we have this phrase, we're calling it the creative art of non-lending. <laughs> but that's the kind of customer behavior that we're talking about. And that's a, that's a great example because of how you can take a what traditionally would be a negative experience and turn it into something ultimately positive and something that makes that person sticky long-term. Um, and I'll tell you one thing, the senior lenders at first thought that we were wasting their time because they had a transactional mentality. Right. And that candidate, right. the candidate did not, did not apply. It didn't, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't credit worthy. Therefore next and they just went right down the list instead of nurturing that client and building a customer for life. Yeah, I, I and I view it, even if someone's not going to become a client, if there's something we can do to help them, I want to do it. And that's always been my mentality. Um, I, I find too many people just, if they can't, it's the what's in it for me side of the equation. And 
as opposed to the what's in it for them. Because that's really what matters ultimately at the end of the day for all businesses is if we do what's right for our clients and customers at all times, then we will ultimately win in the end. You're preaching to the choir. I agree with you. Yeah. What are something, what are some other tactical things that business owners can do in this time? We've gone through the process. We've, we've kind of journey mapped. We've seen what the, where the holes or adaptations need to happen in our business. What are some things tactically that, that folks can look at doing, even if they're little things Mm -hmm. um, in this time, just because, I think time really is of the essence. And if you don't make adjustments and changes now, you probably won't be around in a year and I, or two, I, I, I think people are underestimating how significant a change is going to come out of this crisis. No question about it. I'll tell you, here's another easy thing um, just to close this out. And this is something that a lot of business owners don't even think to do, but when was the last time that a business owner surveyed their clients? When was the last time they put together a five point online questionnaire that could be easily answered just as a, 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 a one to 10 sliding scale on how am I doing? Okay. And send it out to your database and say, you know, as we come through this, obviously we want to continue to serve you. What are some of the things that we're doing well? What are some of the things that we can do better? Where are there gaps in this customer relationship where we might improve our service to you? Ask your clients. You'd be absolutely amazed at how forthcoming they'll be. And people have time on their hands right now. They will take the time to give you their valued opinion. And you can use that input for two things. One, to improve your business and improve your customer experience. But the other other thing you've done is you've recognized the value of your clients' opinions. And I'm not just saying these silly opinion surveys that go out every time you buy something where you're trying to rate people. I'm talking about a a thought-about survey where you actually ask them for their honest opinion, and then you use their opinion to formulate your, 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 your business strategy. Take it seriously. You've done three things. You've gained valuable insight. You've recognized the importance of your client's opinion. And... You've created feedback loops that you can use in the future. That's a very easy thing to do. We do it all the time online. We can set the survey up. We can administrate it. We can report back the, the, uh, the findings, and it comes complete with recommendations. That's a great point. Um, I think far too often businesses, especially ones that have been around for a while, tend to lose track of they just become complacent. I think we're all guilty of it. They yeah, and it's not it's not on purpose. It just happens. No, I know. I I know. I'm guilty of it. I don't. While we solicit feedback from clients when we're with them, I generally don't think I, we haven't done a survey in probably four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it probably is a good time to do one now for all of those reasons that you pointed out. Well, maybe we'll do one together. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> So again, I appreciate your time, Brad. I think it was this was a good extension of the first conversation because I think far too often things 
become esoteric when they're things like branding. You know, marketing is a people generally, as I said in the first podcast we did, branding and marketing generally get kind of lumped together into one thing and they're very different things. And if you don't have a good core brand, your marketing can be the greatest thing in the world and your results aren't going to be what they could be if they were both interconnected. That's um, right. And so having some ideas and some things that tactically owners can can attack and think about right now, because we all have more time on our hands than we probably ever thought we would, um, is valuable. So I will again include your contact info in the show notes if anybody wants to reach out to Brad um, or myself about... Uh, <clears throat> doing a customer mapping experience or journey experience or um, getting feedback on their brand. Brad is a great resource. Um, He's been invaluable for us at Thorium and I appreciate you and your time and your expertise. Again, um, this is the business owner's blueprint and I'm your host, Peter Minsky until next time. Thanks for listening to the Business Owner's Blueprint, hosted by Peter Huminski. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app to catch future episodes. Please remember, the opinions expressed on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments or solutions may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Castra Advisory Services, LLC, and affiliate of Castra IS. Castra IS and Castra AS are not affiliated with any entity herein.